BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. In the offseason, when they start accumulating the speed, guys like Hill and Mostert and all that, did you kind of see that this is coming? And what's it like watching kind of your offense executed with all of that speed? How much does it jump out? Oh, it's cool to watch. I mean, right when he got Tyreek, you knew um, how much that was going to help. I mean, just Tyreek, there's a number of fast people in this league, and to me, he's different than everyone else probably ever. Um, just the physicality and speed he runs with. Um, so just some, some, some of the things that they can do with him is cool to watch. Um but, you know, the, the question was watching two in the offense, and you were, I wasn't quite totally sure of that. And I remember turning it on in the preseason and watching his first game, and I was like, wow, this guy looks totally different and looks very comfortable. And then turned it on week one, and um, I thought he was playing in week one as good as anyone in this league, and um, I don't think he's had a game not like that. Kyle Shanahan with some praise for Tua Tonga-Vailoa in the Mike McDaniel offense. He compared him to Matt Schaub in a good way, in a good way. Matt Schaub had some very good seasons with Kyle Shanahan, getting rid of the ball quickly. As soon as the back foot is planted, the ball's out. Quick decisions, efficiency of running the offense. And now we've, that's what we've seen from Tua all year long, at least in the games he's played. And he's undefeated, Chris, in the games that he has played. Yeah, uh, he's been great. There's no question. And it's it's the ultimate, you know, litmus test or whatever of, hey, wait, let's find an offense that fits our quarterback and, you know, accentuates his strengths and, and limits his weaknesses a little bit. And that's where he's at. And it's awesome to see. It really is. And really, that's the way every team should be for their quarterback. You know, there's a few quarterbacks out there that we've discussed that you know, they could run any offense. It doesn't really matter. But most of the league needs a little bit of tweaking and, and things to, to make it work for that quarterback. So he's been amazing. And, and so have the Dolphins in general. I just they're they're so fun to watch. Both sides of the ball are attack, attack, attack. They got speed on both sides of the ball, and they got creativity within the coaching. So this to me is like this is we got some good games this week, but I I, I can't believe this game is at four oh five on Sunday. I mean, this might be the game of the week, and it's at four oh five on Sunday, and I'm excited about that because I'll be able to focus on it a little bit more. But damn, this is going to be a good one between that Dolphins offense and that Forty ers defense. I'd say Chiefs-Bengals is still a a click above it, but I agree with you. 
this this rematch of Super Bowl nineteen, which uh, was hyped to be a great, it's, it was the first really disappointing Super Bowl I can remember, where the hype going into it was relentless in early nineteen. 19- 85 and it just didn't deliver because the 49ers kicked the crap out of the Dolphins that year but but well, that's the first topic for our grab bag is the eight and three Dolphins take on the seven and four 49ers take your pick who has the edge in this one from a coaching standpoint Kyle Shanahan or Mike McDaniel this is a, it's it's a tough one here I'm gonna go with Mike McDaniel here okay and not necessarily because of you know that he knows something more than Shanahan. Obviously, everything he learned is from the Shanahan family there. But where I give him the advantage is he knows more about D'Amico Ryan than Kyle Shanahan knows about Boyer, the defensive coordinator of the Miami Dolphins. I think that's where I look at it. He's going to go, wait, you know, I remember in practice, I used, we used to do this, this, and this, and it gave D'Amico Ryan and our defense some issues. Ooh, so I might try to work on that a little bit. Where Shanahan is not going to have that, you know, luxury and not going to know exactly how, you know, his offense will be attacked by that Dolphins defense. So that's where I'll give him a little bit of advantage in, in this one. I'll give McDaniel an edge as well for another very important reason. We talk from time to time about how coaches will be very strategic in how much they share with assistants because they understand at some point that that assistant may end up being a rival head coach and you never know where guys are going to end up. So you hold certain things back. I think Mike McDaniel just has a way that he could maybe get Kyle to be accidentally loose with certain things. And maybe Kyle has opened the vault a little bit more for him unwittingly because McDaniel is the best kind. He's the best kind of smart. He's smart that doesn't ooze it. Like he doesn't he doesn't feel compelled to remind everybody he went to Yale and I mean he's just he's just kind of kind of this cool guy and he's got a good demeanor and he's got a good way. It's very disarming. And he may have gotten Kyle to share some things that he will now use against Kyle given the opportunity. And he'll be saying some things to Josh Boyer about what to look for and how Kyle will try to attack and the traps they may want to set to counter what he knows Kyle will do. I, I, I don't disagree with what you're saying there. I don't, you know, and McDaniel has got that way about him. Right? He answers a question slow and, and does all this stuff. And you're like, man, is he really that smart? Is he that smart? I'm not sure. You know, so <laughs> you're right about that. And I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be, you know, shocked too. If like most of football, all right, and I'm not trying to take a shot here because you and I were believers, but I think most of the people in football thought Mike McDaniel could never be a head coach in the NFL. And, you know, maybe the 49ers coaches thought the same thing too. Maybe he opened the vault for them thinking, ah, you know, nobody will hire this guy. He's a nerd from Yale, and they're not going to want him to lead the locker room to where maybe he did get a few things shared with him that maybe most assistants wouldn't be. Uh, but either way, man, this, that offense versus this defense, the 49ers defense versus that Dolphins offense, wow, is that going to be awesome to watch? It really is. I can't wait for this one. I actually think, Mike, I'd put it a smidgen. For me personally, I think it's my favorite game of the week, even over the Chiefs and Bengals. You make a great point, though, and this is kind of what I was trying to articulate, and you did it better than I did. The idea that when you look at your staff and you're assessing the threat potential, as to which of these guys 
may end up being a thorn in my side twice or maybe three times a year if they land in my division. Mike McDaniel is going to be low on that threat assessment. He's going to be the guy you're more likely to be real with and be open with because, yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I, I don't know. Maybe after a while, Shannon realized, boy, this guy really knows his shit. I, maybe I shouldn't have said those things I said about how I really <laughs> go about attacking defenses because he's not going to forget it and he's going to use it against me. Either way, we get to see the first opportunity of McDaniel and Shanahan against each other. And unfortunately, it's not going to happen very often because they're in different conferences. All right, Chiefs at Bengals, the game of the afternoon, 425 p.m. Eastern kickoff, nationally televised, or for the most of the the nation, we'll be seeing it. Fill in the blank. The Bengals can hold off the top-seeded Chiefs if they what, Chris? Oh, I think think the thing I'll go with there is if they can just protect Joe Burrow, you know, to where – uh, he can not that he needs a ton of time because he's he's playing phenomenal right now and just has the right feel and knows what his team is and getting the ball out of his hands quickly. But if he has to hold the ball a little bit in some situations and Spagnolo covers some people and things there, uh, that could be disaster in some ways. I think I look at it that way. I expect the Chiefs to be ready for some of the things the Bengals do on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, to me, it's the Bengals' offense that has turned the corner here in the last few weeks, and the offensive line is playing better. If they protect Burrow enough, I think he'll have enough opportunities with a healthy Jamara Chase to, to hit some shots down the field like we saw or, you know, again, just get the ball off in the little short areas to where they can run after the catch. But, man, Burrow played great last week against a really good defense, and uh, – they're getting kind of scary, the Bengals, right now. That's kind of what I look at, Mike. What about you? Well, and that's how I'll finish this sentence. The Bengals can hold off the Chiefs if they have a fully healthy, non-decoy Jamar Chase. Not just trot him out there so they, they burn up extra resources main to koi. neutralize him. But, but he, the guy who's the main coy, not the decoy. If he's back to the guy that he was before the hip injury, then I think the Bengals can pull it off and it plays into their hands they're two and a half point home underdogs against the Chiefs and they have done a great job of just kind of staying under the radar they don't have the bullseye on their back the AFC champions from 2021 entered the season as an afterthought everybody's focused on the Bills and the Chiefs and the Bills and the Chiefs and here are the Bengals just checking the boxes one at a time piling up the wins and even after they beat the Titans, I feel like there hasn't been this pivot to, oh, crap, the Bengals are pretty good. It's more of, well, okay, we'll, we'll feel differently once the Chiefs beat them this week. I'm not so sure that the Chiefs will. Jets-Vikings. I'm with you, Mike. Seven and four, yeah. seven and four Jets, nine and two Vikings. Scale of one to ten, what is your confidence level that future Hall of Famer Mike White can replicate his Week 12 performance against... Uh, the Vikings when they get together on Sunday. Well, all right. So I didn't get to do my podcast yesterday because, you know, I was sick, right? And I, I, you know, of course, watched that Jets game thoroughly. It was such a hot-button topic. And, um, you know, my, my first off, my confidence level on a scale of 1 to 10, I'm going to say is a 7. I'm going to put it, like, somewhat high. You know, we've already discussed this. This is not a Minnesota deep. Everybody moves the ball in Minnesota. Everybody up and down the field. It does not matter. I mean, even the Bears did before Justin Fields and the running game was broken out. They were moving the ball up and down the field. So uh, that's where 
I, again, will stand by that I think the Jets made a huge mistake in benching Zach Wilson. Last week's game, it couldn't have been any easier for a quarterback. If you made me go, who had the easiest job last week out of any quarterback in football, I'd go Mike White. I mean, here's this is one of his most high-level throws of the day right there. Really good throw, right? Boom. All right. And then most of the throws were like this. Oh, hey, hey there's a guy five yards away. Wow, whoop-dee-doo. And I'm not trying to take it away from Mike White. He did what he was supposed to do. You know, again, but that's a Bears defense that right now, go somebody go back and watch that game. Tell me how many times you got to look at the, the roster and go, wait, who's this guy on the Bears? Who's this guy on the Bears? I don't know who this guy is let alone they had their three best defensive players not even playing. So, you know, uh, I think it bodes well for him, again, to have a successful day. I don't know if they're going to win, but I bet you he puts up pretty good stats because they got some talent. And, of course, this Vikings defense, as we've discussed a few times already, is not all that great. They're not the purple people eaters. And the reality is the Jets are, are not quite the New York sack exchange yet, but they're pretty damn good defensively, and that's going to pose yes, some they threats. Are. To the Vikings, although I, I still look, we saw how bad the Vikings were week 11 against the Cowboys, but against that Patriots defense, I saw a different Kirk Cousins and who knows which Kirk Cousins is going to show up. You know, you've got the Kirk Cousins who freaks out and collapses under pressure and, and I, you know, it's just he knows he can't run away from it and he just kind of folds or he gets hit and the ball comes out while he's trying to run away. The guy last Thursday night was no. confident, assertive, stepping up in the pocket, moving away from pressure, extending plays, taking the check down with authority, not just treating it as I got nowhere else to go. But hey, hope zoop, there it goes. Hey, oh, you get you're taking you're taking JJ away. Oh, I got a guy underneath. Oh, you're gonna follow JJ. Oh, I got Adam Thielen. I mean, there was a, a level of focus and determination that kind of came through the TV last Thursday night, which was very different than what we saw on Sunday against the Cowboys, Chris. Yeah, you're right. And really, hey, let's let's be fair. Sunday against the Cowboys was really about the only time this year we saw Kirk Cousins look like that, if we're gonna be fair to him, right? He has been you know, again, he's never going to be the magic man and make plays happen outside the pocket. But level of play, aggressiveness, you know, you know, making big plays in big moments is as good as we've ever seen. And I got to think that's the Kevin O'Connell effect, having the offensive coach being that guy, giving him confidence, telling him how good he is instead of it sounds like, you know, the last coach he had was not necessarily a believer in him. And if you're a quarterback, you can feel that. When like, wait, my coach doesn't really believe in me. So I think that's what we're seeing here. And, you know, it's exciting to see. And the other thing, Mike, I, I like is, you know, hey, we know he's throwing for a lot of yards. He's throwing, again, this is where I push, like, he's throwing more interceptions this year, I feel like, than we're seeing in years past, too. You know why? Because he's pulling the trigger and going, we're going to go win the game instead of I'm going to play not to lose and mess up the game here. And again, I think, you know, that's that's a big part of the game right now in 2022. And I think you see, again, a lot of the good teams, their quarterbacks throw a few interceptions because they're trying to make plays and flip field position and do all that. And we're seeing that in Minnesota. And one of the things that drove Mike Zimmer crazy was that Kirk Cousins wouldn't do it. But when the flip side is if you do it and it doesn't work, the coach is going to tear you a new one, then why are you right. going to do it? So. Right. Kirk Cousins has somebody who fully supports him now to go do it. And if it doesn't work, he's not going to yell at him or blame him. Or, And again, that was just the coaching style 
that's what that's what worked for a generation, if not a lot longer than that. But the game has changed now. The relationships have changed. And you're right. And, you know, I think back to last week, and I was wrong about this. And I'll admit it, and I'll own it. When I said I don't like all this talk from the coach and from the players that were still 8-2 and two after getting their asses blasted by the Dallas Cowboys 40-3, to three, I thought that was a loser mentality. Well, it was the right approach because O'Connell knew how to build everybody back up. And get right, right. That's what, yep. again and go right. out. And that was your point. They're, they, they, they don't want them to fall apart and crumble. They want to, they want to remember they know how to win football games. And I, I, I thought that what they did last Thursday night was every bit as important to the long-term interest of this team than what they did in Buffalo because they got it together after that debacle. Yeah. And they went toe-to-toe with a great team, great coach, and they got a win that, that I think they're always going to remember. Let's take a break. Will Aaron Rodgers soon be forgetting about the balance of the 2022 season? Is he close to shutting it down? We'll delve into that when PFT Live continues right after this. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. You want to be out there. Do you foresee a, a point at any point in the season where the team says, we want to see more, a little more of Jordan Love, that you'd be okay with, with stepping aside for a couple of weeks or whatever it would be? Or do you want to finish the season? I mean, look, I'd, I'd love to finish the season out. And, um, but I understand, you know, this is a business. And, um, you know, there's a lot of us kind of older guys uh, who, you know, play a decent amount or they might want to see some younger guys play. So, you know, hopefully we don't have to have that conversation. But if that conversation comes up, you know, I'll approach that with an open mind and, and uh you know, without any bitterness or resentment, you know, obviously, like I said, I want to win out and, and we don't have to have those conversations, but, um, you know, I, I understand if we don't, that that's a possibility to have that conversation. Could it be beneficial for you to just get some rest and get ready to reload next season? You've been beat up with um, the ribs, whatever else you feel like you Would that be beneficial for you? I mean, well, that's an assumption that uh, this place won't look any different next year. So yeah. I think... Again, that's part of the conversation. Very telling second quote there from Aaron Rodgers as it relates to whether or not it makes sense for him to sit. Well, how different will things be next year? You got to get Jordan Love ready if Jordan Love's going to be the guy next year. I think it means he knows. Look, he's playing three-dimensional chess with the Packers. And he had a Rubik's Cube behind him during his latest appearance with Pat McAfee. And you know how he likes to send messages. He knows he's got them, Chris, in a bind. He knows that they're stuck. Nearly $60 million he's owed next year, fully guaranteed. If he wants to play or if he wants to be on the team, what are they going to do? And I saw somebody say yesterday, well, they can just trade him. What if he doesn't want to be traded? He's already stood at the 
door to the plane with the parachute on and decided not to jump. He could have done that last year. He could have gone to the Broncos or somewhere else. He decided to stay with the Packers. He said all along he wants to retire with the Packers. If he says, I'm under contract for next year at $60 million, I don't want to be traded, and I'll make it known to anybody who's interested in me, I don't want to play for your stupid team, they're not going to trade for me if that's the case. I want to stay here. They're in a mess, a mess as it relates to the future of Aaron Rodgers, and I think he's hinting at it a little bit. You know, well, how things are different going to be? How are different are things going to be next year? Well, he has a huge say in how different they're going to be. Because if he chooses to play, they're not going to be different at all. He's going to be the quarterback. So it's less relevant to get Jordan Love ready than it would be if they're planning to pivot from Rodgers to Love in 2023. Yeah, it's just uh, a weird comment. It is. It's probably it's not really necessary either to make the comment because again it just it causes all people like us to dive into what do you mean what message are you sending there I don't really get it so that's going to be annoying for the Packers and their coaches to answer that and have to deal with that you know but that's what he wants I mean Rod- look we're, we're, we we but he but he's he, this isn't some accidental blurting out of a comment I know he knows exactly know. what he's doing Chris. I, I, I don't disagree with you, Mike. I, I know. It just I, I don't understand why he wants to make things so difficult sometimes for himself or the football team. And you know, Mike, you're saying it right. He got he got what he wanted. He lost the power when they got Jordan Love. So now he won the MVPs and got the contract and now he has all the power. And the, the Packers are really like you're talking about, they they just gotta Wait to hear what he wants to do. What do you want to do, King Rogers? What do you want to do, King Rogers? Where do you want to go? All of that. Trading for Aaron Rodgers, I, you know, again, I, I, I hear those things, and I, I, I have a hard time believing a team is going to give up, you know, the farm or the house for Aaron Rodgers when what? He might be saying the same things next year. Hey, yeah, we're going to trade you two first-rounders and give a guy $60 million. So if things don't work out good, we get to week 12 of next year, he's going to be talking about he might not play anymore or send cryptic messages. I can't imagine a lot of teams are going to be thrilled for trading for Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, and what good does it do to play Jordan Love if you're going to come back and be the starter there anyways? You know, there's a part of me, Mike, that wants to be like, Green Bay, if you lose this weekend or lose in the next few weeks, you – you play Aaron Rodgers to the end. You get him ready for next year. You've got him continue to work with those young receivers. And you go through the end part of this season and, and deal with some of the struggles. He's got some things to work on in his game, too. He, he ain't been that great this year. So, I don't know. There's just It's just weird. I don't even know how to like wrap my head around the whole situation and what he said there. He is sending mixed signals, too, because it was after the Eagles game on Sunday night that he said he wants to play until they're mathematically eliminated. Now I get the impression he wants to play until week 18, no matter what, that he doesn't want to step down and heal his thumb or deal with his rib injury or whatever other thing that he has that may keep him from playing. So that's inconsistent just three days apart. It's one thing to say once we're eliminated, I'm out, versus, yeah, I'd like to play the whole season – and those are tough conversations we may need to have, but I'm willing to have them. I, yeah, it, it, I, I'll be interested, too, because what I would be scared of, even if even Aaron Rodgers, but at this point of his career, I'd be a little scared if I'm him of, wait, I really am. I'm going to come back next year. I want to come back. I'm going to play with the Green Bay Packers. Okay, but we're mathematically eliminated. 
and we're going to let Jordan Love play down the stretch. What I would be worried about is if Jordan Love looks like he did at the end of the game last week, and all of a sudden the offense kind of looks good, and they're making plays, throwing the ball down the field and doing that. Man, that's going to you know, make things a little messy for Rodgers in the offseason if he has to go into the offseason going, you know, hey, Jordan Love was throwing the ball down the field and hitting some plays and doing all this and that, and they kind of look good. What was your problem? And that's where I could see him kind of going into, I want to play all 18 weeks. I don't even want to let that conversation begin. And the conversation begins if the fans slash owners begin to see what Jordan Love can be. And you know what? Even if the Packers fully intend to keep Aaron Rodgers next year, they still need to see what Jordan Love can do because they have to make a decision about his fifth-year option by May 3rd of 2023 for 2024. So it's not even about getting him ready for next year. It's about making an informed decision about the year after that. But in the process of giving him the opportunities to show that maybe they should pick up the option for 24, he does enough that the crowd wants him for 2023. This has layers and levels. It gets downright Shakespearean. There are shades of Gladiator here where Commodus knew he couldn't kill Maximus because he was too popular with the crowd. The crowd is a big part of this. The fans are a big part of this. And I think Aaron Rodgers, Chris, does not want them to have so much of a glimpse of Jordan Love that they decide, we want that guy. Hey, Aaron. I'd be worried about that. We we had fun, but now it's done. We're pivoting just like we went from Favre to you. We're going from you to Jordan Love. I would worry about that. You know, again, most quarterbacks, and again, when you're in your prime and you're the man and all that, you don't have to worry about it. But when you play like Aaron Rodgers did this year and there is a guy like that behind you, and, yeah, I, you know, I know he hasn't looked great to this point of his career, but still, it, it's, you know, it's, it looked comfortable last week. The ball came out of his hand pretty good. You know, do, if Jordan Love did play, do I expect him to light the world on fire? I don't, but if I was in Aaron Rodgers' shoes, I wouldn't want to take the chance of seeing it. I wouldn't just because of the things we just talked about. So, yeah, it, it, it is interesting, but he has got, he's got the, uh, the Packers by the kahunas for, for sure here in this one. Um, I don't know if I said that right, but he certainly got them here, and he's got a lot of power, and they're going to have to bow to, to his demands to a degree. And, and here's the other side of it, too, as it relates to whether or not Aaron Rodgers would go somewhere else. I use that skydiving metaphor all the time. He was at the door with the shoot on, and he decided not to jump. Why did he decide not to jump, Chris? Because I believe he wants to always have the argument that it was the Packers' fault that he didn't win more championships. It's nothing about him. It's the team. It's, you know, for his autobiography, all of the grievances he'll air in it as to what the Packers did wrong when it came to putting a team around him that would win a Super Bowl. So if he goes to a super team or a team that otherwise has the deck stacked in his favor and doesn't deliver, that dilutes his argument. And I think he's more concerned at this point about preserving the argument 
than he is actually chasing that championship because maybe he does recognize at some level he's got a degree of responsibility for the fact that they haven't gotten back to another Super Bowl. Never mind win another one. They haven't even gotten back to another one since they won Super Bowl forty-five. I really think once he was confronted with the reality of what it would mean to go to another team, he decided not to do it. And if he decided not to do it this year, why is he suddenly going to change his mind next year? Yeah, I, I, I hear you there. And, you know, I, I don't disagree with what you're saying, you know, in, in some of that. And I think we're seeing that in some of his play, like we've talked about a few times this year, with, you know, not taking the aggressive throws or not wanting to make the mistakes. Because, like you're saying, you know, hey, yeah, I can blame the Packers for not giving me the right support system. And the thing I have to stand on is quarterback rating, touchdown interception ratio, all these stat things that can justify my argument as, you know, one of the greats of all time. Um, so I, I, I don't disagree with you there. Now, I always sit here and he's tell you that I don't think Green Bay ever break. supported him, him the break. right way. He's got a broken, he's got a broken yeah. thumb. Give him a break. Yeah, yeah, I, I know, I know. You know. Well, you know, even with that, the, the, the thumb thing wasn't an issue when we were throwing lasers and bombs against the Cowboys, but then the week after when we missed targets against the Tennessee <laughs> Titans, all of a sudden the thumb is an issue. And you know me, I just call it like I see it. I just don't always love stuff like that. Here's how well we know each other. I knew that's what you were going to say. That's why I said he's got a broken thumb. (laughs) And that almost falls in the category of the Patrick Peterson, Brian McFadden thing. Because that was a comment Chris initially workshopped, but wasn't comfortable saying. He said it. I didn't want to say it on Sunday Night Football last week. Yeah, You can say it here. You can say it here. Nobody's watching or listening. (laughs) But, yeah, it's, it's the truth. It, you, can't, you can't play the I have a broken thumb card after looking like crap against the Titans when four days earlier you looked pretty damn good against the Dallas Cowboys with the same damn injury. Let's go ahead and take a break. Combination of feats of strength and great catches from Week 12 when PFT Live continues right after this. All right, week 13 is here. The matchup draft, we do it every Thursday, except when we don't have a show like last Thursday when it was Thanksgiving. But this Thursday, we're doing it. Best matchups of the week, any of the games, anywhere you want to go. Chris, you're up first. Well, I'm going to go to the game we've discussed a little bit and uh, the, the Dolphins, the 49ers, and specifically just you know an, an area we hit on. The Dolphins offense versus the 49ers defense. I mean, one, it's the Dolphins' offense. It, it, to me, this is what I love. It's the fastest offense in football versus the fastest defense in football. And that's where I can't wait to see it. Let alone both, both are creative offense in Miami, creative defense in San Francisco. You know, D'Amico Ryan, he's one of those guys that should be in the head coaching candidate for next year for sure in my mind. But I just look at that as... Man, there's so many good players on both sides of the ball. I'm really excited to see that. And can they slow down Waddle and Tyree Kill going a million different directions and all that? I know, you know, there's still no Javon Kinlaw. Eric Armstead maybe this week for them. That'll help out the 49ers defense. But that truly is going to be, you know, a must-see matchup. I'm going to go to one that has not drawn the amount of attention that it should have, and I'm sure that 345 Park Avenue is very happy about it, Deshaun Watson versus the entire Houston Texans organization. He's back. 
after an 11-game suspension. He's going to Houston. He's playing against the team that he decided he was never going to play for again. You know, we forget about what a stand he took against the Texans, and I'm never playing for you because of everything that happened a couple of months later with the off-field issues. But it all gets put into one big blender, and we don't know what's going to happen. On the field, off the field, where are they going to be chanting? We heard they were chanting in Jacksonville in the preseason for crying out loud. What kind of hostility is he going to face? What kind of signs? What kind of sound bites? What is this day going to look like? What is it going to feel like? And how is he going to play when he hasn't played in 700 days in a regular season game, Chris? And again, it's going to fall into the cluster of 8 1 p.m. Eastern games, and both teams aren't very good. The Browns have a glimmer of hope. This this is a huge story that the NFL, I think, is very happy has subsided as the day approaches. Yeah, uh, no, no doubt. And uh, it's it was on my list. I don't know if I would have taken it next, but it certainly was on my list. I certainly was excited to see this matchup, the fan reaction in Houston. You know, do do I think there's going to be some you know, organizational motivation here because Deshaun Watson's coming to town too. Yeah, I do. I think this is the kind of thing that, you know, the owner lets some of the coaches know how important it is for them to put it on a good showing. Uh, I don't expect Deshaun Watson to look like he's hitting on all cylinders in this football game. So there's a lot of uh, exciting things. And then you take on the fact of, hey, the Browns, their bad run defense, playing a team like the Texans who we know can run the ball pretty damn well. I don't know. It'd be interesting to see if they can keep it close and keep a little pressure on Deshaun Watson in this one. I'm, I'm excited to see that too, Mike. Um, my next one here, I, I'm going to go the Eagles offensive line versus the Tennessee Titans defensive line. Uh, that's, I mean, truly a clash of the Titans. I, I look at that Tennessee Titans defensive line to be the best run-stopping D-line in football, and really I look at the Eagles to be the best run offensive line in football. I'm excited to see that. And then off of that, just what does Vrabel have in store to stop some of the tricks of that Philadelphia offense and the RPOs and the read options and all that? I think that's a uh, flying under the radar matchup of this Sunday that I can't wait to see. We have flagged Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes as the new Peyton Manning, Tom Brady. Somebody from the Bengals said this week that Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, is the new Brady Manning. And you know what? The difference is Burrow's beaten Mahomes in the postseason. Tyler Boyd is the one who said it. Thank you, Courtney. Tyler Boyd of the Bengals made the comment, and I think he may be right. Yes, we we can't. Why is it? Well, I know why it is, because it was such an epic game. But Bengals-Chiefs was pretty damn good, too, with the Super Bowl riding on the outcome. So maybe we can be treated to multiple Brady Mannings. Mahomes versus Allen. Mahomes versus Burrow. Maybe Burrow versus Allen gets sprinkled in the mix at some point. Maybe we have a little round robin of great quarterbacks playing against each other in the AFC. But I think Mahomes-Burrow, a great wrinkle to this game and also a quarterback matchup that is going to continue to happen for years to come. Let's take a break. We've got one more round to go. We'll do it when PFT Live continues right after this. All right, one more round to go. The matchup draft for week 13. Christopher, you're up. All right, well, I, I mean, I'm going to go to the Monday night matchup a little bit. I know it's not like uh, 
as big of a matchup as we thought it might be to start the year, but still, the Buccaneers, the questions we have with them, Brady versus that Saints defense. You know, the Saints, we know, know how to defend Tampa a little bit. Brady's certainly not playing at a very high level. Yeah, they're in the playoffs and in control of the NFC South, but damn, every time we think we're they're about to turn it around, they lay an egg the next week, and we go, what? Uh, so that that's one I'm looking at a little bit here just to see if we can see some consistency or something from Tampa to build on? Or is New Orleans going to make one last stand and one last push to get into the playoffs here and, and have something to say in the NFC South? But uh, can this Tampa offense bounce back? Hey, forget about the records. Four and eight for the Saints, it doesn't matter. They win this game, they get the five wins, matching the Falcons and the Buccaneers. Now the Falcons have the Steelers on Sunday, so who knows? And the Panthers are the ones... Who, who may benefit from all of this. The Panthers are the ones who could rise up and win this thing, as crazy as it sounds. Last one for me, Josh Jacobs against the Chargers defense, because can any defense stop this guy who's in a contract year, Chris, and is running as well as anyone in the NFL right now? Yes, he is. He's on fire right now. The, the Raiders' offense is kind of on fire. Derek Carr, Devontae Adams, Josh Jacobs, it's a lot to handle right now. We're out of time. See you next time. After See ya. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.